It's Palm Sunday, and I'm thinking about the Word of God. Now, this for me is not a new thing. I love the Word of God. I think that we need to read it, study it, memorize it, meditate on it, and pray with it every day. Perhaps I should have said this at the beginning of Lent and not now at the end, but you should make a point of reading, even if it's just a little bit, the Bible every day. The best thing to do is to find a study guide so that you're not completely lost when you do. I get that reading the Bible is hard, but that's not a reason not to do it. Listening to the readings at Mass once a week is not enough. We have to have a desire for the Word. How do you create a desire for something? How do you make it so that when you wake up in the morning, you crave the Word more than you crave for pancakes? You create a discipline for reading it. That means that you create a space every day, same time, every day, and read. Create a discipline, and the discipline will develop into a desire. Another thing you can do is get a daily reflections booklet, something with the daily readings. Make sure it has reflections on the readings so that you have something to meditate on. And read that. There are many online resources, but I find it harder to use online resources first thing in the morning. Get a hard book daily meditations on the Word, or something like that. Perhaps that is something that you can do this Holy Week for the next seven days, from now to Easter, and maybe continue during the Easter season. Immerse yourself in the Word, and you'll see how the living Word will change your life. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, I'm Deacon Pedro, and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. I'm here with Emily once again for another week. Yes. Emily, fresh off the—I was going to say off the, the boat, Holy Land grid. Off I the don't boat, know <laughs> off the Holy Land. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? We should have. I should, there's no time right now to talk about it, but it's maybe after Easter we can maybe sure. actually have a whole segment talking about your Holy Land pilgrimage. Um, something that I'm sure a lot of people is on their bucket list and maybe on their... If uh, it's not, it should be. It should be, yeah. Something yeah. that everybody should do and, and, and mm-hmm. people who have gone, maybe that's something else we can ask uh, listeners to tell us about their their pilgrimages to the Holy Land. Yes. But I wanted to ask you, um, do you know what a haiku is? I do. I learned about it in high school. In I know it's school. a Japanese poem. Yeah, five <laughs> syllables yeah. and then the second l- line is seven syllables. And then the last line right. is five syllables. So five syllables, seven yep. syllables, five syllables. Um, I learned about them in theater school. Um, okay. W- which I, 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 I was thinking about haikus because I'm reading tweets and tweets are 140 characters. And I thought, you know, can you do a prayer in 140 characters? And then I thought, a haiku, because it doesn't have to rhyme or anything. Have, no. So I came up with a, with a haiku prayer. And then I thought, wouldn't it be cool to have people write their haiku prayers? So oh, I'm going to ask people great. to send us haiku prayers. But next week... Not next week because it's Holy Week. It's Easter, but the following week you're going to have a haiku. Prayer I'm going to have us. a haiku. Yes. Are we going to freestyle? Have a competition? No, no, no. We're not going to freestyle. <laughs> you, you can prepare it, but listen okay. to mine. Okay. So here's my haiku prayer. It goes like these: Jesus, have mercy. I surrender to your will. It's you I adore. Isn't that beautiful? Look at that. And it, it, that's the beauty about haiku because yeah. it's five syllables and seven syllables and five, and it just feels like it's it's complete. Mm-hmm. Jesus, have mercy. I surrender to your will. It's you I adore. So that has been that that actually has been my my prayer all through Lent, my 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 uh, my haiku. So next time Emily's here, she's gonna have a haiku for us, and I hope that everybody's gonna send us their own haiku prayers. <laughs> okay, first line is five syllables, second line is seven syllables, 
and the last line is five syllables you can send us your haiku um, either to me uh, on my Facebook page Deacon Pedro or or through Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM um, th- I, this is it nobody ever writes but you're going to send me a haiku okay so haiku 575 um, um, Emily's looking at me like I, she's like I really don't want to do this <laughs> like, this I'm is not ridiculous. sure how this is going to work <laughs> not sure how it's going to go but it's going it's to go at the very least I'll just get all my friends to do it if nobody wants to write in um, Mark Matthews who's our, our Hollywood undercover missionary yeah. is going to do a segment today he's going to tell us about and you probably Does can relate to this haiku? Well, no, but I, I he will. <laughs> Everybody's going to have IQ. No, he wants to talk about artistic purgatory. What? Now, just think about okay, it. When you're minute, an artist yeah. and you're in purgatory, what do you think that that is? If you don't know, that's fine because Mark is going to tell us okay. in about 10 minutes. That's right after our news with Emily Kalan. And then afterwards... Uh, Sebastian Gomes will be here with Connect 5. He speaks with Father Hugh Cleary, who's the former Superior General of the Congregation of Holy Cross, and they're going to be talking about healthy families and the significance of the rosary. If you know Holy Cross, they're the ones that uh, under which the family family rosary and family theater productions and all that is under, so family rosary. So that's why he's going to talk about the rosary. Awesome. That's in... Uh, I don't know, in about 20 minutes. And uh, in our second half hour, we're going to speak with a children's author, Carissa Douglas. She has a new book for kids, and it's called All Things New, and it's about confession. So oh, you want to find great. out how to teach your kids, yeah. not, not your kids. But, <laughs> um, if you have kids, teach them about confession. You stick around in about half an hour. I'll be speaking to Carissa about uh, going to confession. And at the end of the program, we're going to meet a new singer-songwriter. Her name is Valdemar Jansen. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's new for me. She's new. Well, she's not that new. She's been, uh, she has maybe eight albums, and she's been doing music uh, professionally, releasing albums since, I don't know, 2003 or so. Canadian? American? No, she's American. Okay. She's from, I think she lives in Southern California. Um, she has a beautiful Southern voice, <laughs> um, Valdemar Jansen. So um, I'm known for her. I've known about her for years and so it's good to have her on the program she has a new album called Spirit and Soul and so we're going to talk about her music and about that album so why don't we start with a song from that album here's Valdemar Jansen with Rain Down from her new album Spirit and Soul
That was Valdemar Jansen with Rain Down, written by Jamie Cortez, from her new album, Spirit and Soul. And we're going to be speaking with Valdemar Jansen in our second half hour. But first, Emily's still here. And yes. we have some news, some not so great news coming out of the French Episcopal Conference. Yeah, exactly. So um, what's been going on is that there's been uh, this revelation of a priest in the Diocese of Lyon uh-huh. who um, has been involved in a case of pedophilia. And uh-huh. and people are criticizing the diocese and the you know the clergy of covering this these cases right. up for the past several years yeah. um so now the uh the archbishop of of Lyon um the cardinal cardinal Philippe Barbarin uh-huh. um you know is saying no like i i fully intend to cooperate with the authorities okay. to you know to bring this to justice and to do whatever whatever it takes to um right. to really care for the victims and to do to do the right thing and um and as well the the Uh, Episcopal Conference of France is in a meeting this week uh-huh. in Lourdes. So their general assembly every right. year is usually they do go to Lourdes. Um, yes. And one of the first things that they did mention that the president mentioned was, you know, was was this particular case, you know, saying that that the church is always going to be on the side of the victims. Of and um, and so that this is, uh, you know, it's a sad, sad news, um, but that they're doing everything to. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, to, to, is, to rectify yeah, this. Yeah, and I guess it's important to note that the the things have changed. I know under Pope Francis specifically, but exactly. it was Pope Benedict who started all the changes. Yeah, that there's really n- no nonsense, no tolerance, zero tolerance. Yeah, if there is a criminal investigation, it's a criminal investigation. Yeah. and and uh, but we we have a lot to learn from what happened in Ireland and in Boston and the United States and, and other places. Yes. Um, so I'm sure we'll hear more about that case in France. Mm-hmm. Um, As we uh, have been hearing about the Vatty leaks, this, this story came uh, came out uh, of a few years ago, I think, and we sort of off and on and off and on. Yeah, well, I mean, it's back on. It's back on. Well, I mean, this is actually a completely different case from what we would have heard a few years okay, ago. Okay, so, so it's not the Butler. No, exactly. This okay. is Vat- so that was Vatty Vat- Leak one, okay. you know, uh, <laughs> part one. But yeah. that was um, a completely different case under Pope Benedict, similar yeah. to the one that we're dealing with right now. But now they're calling this one Vatty Leaks. Too, uh-huh. um, because again, it has to do with these leaked documents, yeah, confidential yeah, yeah. documents from the Vatican. Now, um, there's been a trial that started up again um, in the past this week. It's uh-huh. going on until next Tuesday at uh, at the Vatican in Rome. Um, but it was and it was on hold before that between between December and and now. Yeah, and uh, this whole thing kind of just all unfolded in uh, last November. Right. So um, it would have been uh, these two ex-members of the new com- the commission that Pope Francis basically created, a preparatory commission yes. to reform or restructure the economic system uh, at the Holy See. So um, so these these two people, there's a, a Spanish prelate mm-hmm. um, and as well as a, um, she's a consultant uh, okay. to the Vatican. So these two people were part of this committee and they would have stolen the documents and given them to journalists who then right. wrote two books. Okay, yes. And uh, so so these four people are on trial as well as uh, the secretary of um, the Spanish prelate. Yes. So not good. No, not a fun. And Yeah, no. yeah. But, I mean, Father Lombardi often reminded that, you know, that as much as the information that was leaked, some of it is not good. Like, yes. we have to also see that the real issue is that Pope Francis really is doing uh, everything yes, to, is. To, to to not have these problems, basically. So Absolutely. whatever scandals were shared yes. in these books or that were revealed, then, like, that's not the real problem. That, I yes. mean, that 
there's been they're dealing with it. Yes, you know, good. And Father Lombardi, of course, is the the head of the Vatican Press Office. Yeah. Um, I I have to say that if people hear things in the news you need to go to catholic news to find out the source yeah. because sometimes you know uh, who knows what people are reporting and and there i say salt and light is a good place to get your news so that you at least get the facts straight um and and, and emily is part of that team that's putting together news here for salt and light um fun fact i think you yeah. should end your segment every week with, with a, a fun, fun fact. fact okay uh so this week fun fact uh is Again, about Pope Francis, about social media. Okay. And so we know that Pope Francis, he's all over Twitter. Yes. We, you know, I mean, in different languages. Yes. He has 25 million followers. Yes. It's just ridiculous, right? But yeah. he also gives us, like, the perfect things to tweet about. Yes. Right? Well, now he's going to come, he's going to open a, an Instagram account. which Instagram is Yeah, which photos. is a photo sharing app. Exactly. So um, it's going to be called Franciscus or Fran- Franciscus, Franciscus, Franciscus yeah. Yeah. and it's going to be launched uh, March 19th. Okay. And yeah, so I mean, I don't know if he's going to be taking selfies. I don't know. <laughs> you know, if they're going to give him, you know, his phone and then give him free range, but uh, yeah, I doubt we'll it. see. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah. They're going to be publishing all the, you know, um, yeah. Yeah, official uh, Observatory Romano photos that are nicely taken. I don't know. It'd be yeah. interesting. I don't. I do not do Instagram myself, so I yeah. will not be following Pope Francis. If you're listening, sorry, I won't be following you on Instagram, <laughs> but I do follow you on Twitter, in English and Spanish. So there you go. Yeah. Um, okay. So next week, fun fact. Not next week because haiku. it's Easter, but yes. Fun fact and haiku. Yes. And and hopefully some good news and not just all kind of sad news. Yeah. All right, deal. Thank you, Emily. Have a happy Easter. Thank you, you too, Pedro. You can tune in to our daily perspectives, updates in English, French, Chinese, and Italian at saltandlighttv.org. Emily does our French, and you can also find out on your Roku. Hi, this is Josh Blakesley, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour every week on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129, also on the Spirit Catholic Radio Network, on Holy Family Radio, on the Lamb Catholic Radio, on the Barriga Radio Network, and on Relevant Radio, and of course, also on the internet at saltandlighttv.org, and on your Roku. Now it's time for... What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Hello, Pedro. How are you? Hello, Mark. Happy New Year. I guess it's kind of weird to say Happy New Year in March, but Happy New Year. It's been a little while, but it is the new year now, finally. It is. It is. So you have some interesting insights that you want to share with us today. Yeah. Well, so given that it's the season of Lent, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about uh, the strange state of artistic purgatory. Artistic purgatory. I like it. Tell us. <laughs> so, so living in Hollywood for almost 10 years, uh, I've seen a lot of aspiring actors come and go. Um, and what seems to happen a lot is that, uh, you know, they'll end up, you know, they... You know, they're, they're usually strong Christians, Catholics. They want to make a change. You know, they've got their headshots. They've got their, uh, you know, agent. They start going out on auditions. But things just never seem to kind of get together, and they never kind of get that big break. And yeah. 
quite often you're left almost for years at a time just waiting for that big break. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's this kind of question, well, what's a young artist to do? You know, how do you get out of, uh, you know, artistic purgatory? Yeah, I like that. So what? how do you get out of artistic purgatory? Well, the first thing to realize is that God has not let you down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I hear a lot of people say, oh, I know God gave, give, give God, I know that God gave me the gift of, you know, singing, acting, dancing, writing, and I have to use it for him. And it's like, well, yes, he very well might have called you to Hollywood to evangelize, you know, in the industry here. But he didn't necessarily, you know, guarantee that you were going to become rich and famous. Mm-hmm. Um, so realize, you know, that this is your mission, um, that there are many people that you can still have an influence on, uh, even if you are not rich and famous. Maybe, you know, God has made you friends with the next Brad Pitt, and mm-hmm. you're the only person who can really share Jesus with him. So, so realize that. This is your mission. And he's also probably protecting your soul. You know, he often warned against... Uh, the dangers of riches, um, and you are, you know, we, we become better people by living through, you know, times of poverty. So. Right. Okay. Not just poverty, but sometimes times of purgatory. Sure. Yes. Not just poverty, <laughs> but, you know, being poor. Yeah, exactly. So, so okay, so that's the first thing. So, so, so that's the first thing, is that, you know, yeah, you, are answer, you have answered God's call. Yes. So the next is, you know, be practical. Um, and ask yourself, okay, well, what am I hoping to achieve, and how long am I willing to spend doing it? Right. Um, because statistically, the odds are very much against you from ever being able to support yourself as a as an actor. Um, the best actors come from around the world to Hollywood to try to succeed here. Yes. So, so ask yourself, say, what what is my goal? Maybe it's just to be able to pay the rent. Maybe it's to be able to raise a family on mm-hmm. the income of being an actor. Mm-hmm. And then ask yourself, well, how long do I want to spend doing that? Maybe it's five years, ten years, or, or maybe three years. Yeah. Um, but the point is, is don't let it slip. Uh, you know, don't just kind of say, oh, I know when I'll know, and and uh, and be objective about it. Yeah, that's very good advice because you think, you know, you, you, you think three years, but ten years will go by very easily, and you're still it, waiting on tables. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And you're, and you're kind of getting maybe little breaks that kind of keep leading you along. Yes. But, you know. Settle them it because you know odds are that you probably won't be able to support yourself. Yes. So, so the next thing that I think is very important and very valuable is find a mentor. Uh-huh. Find someone who is at that place that you want to be, um, and ask them, "Hey, can I take you out for you know? Can I buy you lunch from time to time uh, and pick your brain about what you think I should be doing to succeed?" Mm-hmm. Um, don't be using them for their connections. People can smell, you know, they're, they're being used a mile away. Yeah. Um, show them show them your latest reel and say, hey, what do I need to be working on? Yeah. In- incredibly valuable. Yes. Um, next is make your own opportunities. Um, okay. I think many, many people make the mistake of just sitting, waiting around for opportunities yes. to come to them. Yes, and you you have to you have to make your own opportunities. You know, write your own short film or YouTube series yes. or, or whatnot. So yes, you know what that is. I think the best advice because you think that everything's going to come to you, but no. Find out who the casting directors are. Send them stuff. Be proactive. Find out who's producing what. Go, you know, like that's exactly what you say. And y- yes, and go and make your yeah. own work too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. So yeah, very important. Yeah. Um. And, and then the, the last thing is that I think you really you have to ask yourself the question of, do I have what it takes? Yeah. Um, and this is not a very popular idea in a world that says that you can be whatever you want to be, no matter what. 
Um, but you do have to be objective, and mm-hmm. not a lot of people are willing to say it around here, but ask if you really have the talent. Ask if you have what it takes. Yeah. Um, and the best way is to ask your mentor. Yeah. Show them show them what you've been doing. You know, they have seen your progression over the years, and ask them to be brutally honest and mm-hmm. say, hey, you know, am I going to achieve my goal here or not? Right. Um, because quite often for those people, you know, who, you know, who kind of have the skills and are at that place, you know, it's it's very easy to see, you know, who has the talent and who doesn't. And we have not all been equally gifted with, you know, the same, you know, talents and opportunities and training opportunities. That's so. true. That's true. And I think that the 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 ability to recognize that if you didn't make it in Hollywood doesn't mean that you're a failure. Absolutely. You know, maybe yeah. you're you, you that was a time and in your life that you were being called to go through that period, but now you need to go do something else, and that's yeah. where you need to go. Yeah. Exactly, and it's a valuable experience, and you can apply your acting and artistic yes. skills to many, many other endeavors. Yes. You know, you can be teachers and whatnot. There's so many ways to use it. Yes. So. Okay, very good. So just in review, so um, set a time limit, find a yes. mentor, um, make your own opportunities, don't just sit and wait for things to come to you, and then yes. really do that self-examination. Do you have what it takes and be honest with yourself? Um, and or find Mark Matthews in Hollywood, even though he's undercover, and see if he can he can what? be your mentor. <laughs> yeah, find or, him or on I'll, Twitter. Or I'll point you in the direction of finding a good, good mentor. Absolutely, so. absolutely. So at H M Missionary, that's how you can find H U H U H U. What did I say? H U Missionary. Mark, Hollywood undercover missionary. Thank you very much. So, so this is very good advice. And as always, you're going to write all this out so people can go back to our website and read it, if uh, if they want to, you know, um, learn and grow. Thank you very much, Mark. This is very good. You're... Artistic purgatory: how yes. to get out of it. <laughs> you're very welcome, Pedro. There you have it. What's good in Hollywood? How to get out of artistic purgatory, otherwise known in in in, in, in when it comes to script writing or script production development, hell. Um, with yeah. with Mark, Matt, we all know what that's all about. Um, thank you, Mark, our undercover Hollywood missionary, Mark Matthews. You can reach him at HU Missionary. Hi, this is Lorraine Hess, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. How are you going to spend the next five minutes of your time? How about listening in, meeting a fascinating person, and learning something relevant that will broaden your perspective? Sit down with Sebastian Gomes and go straight to the heart of the matter. Here's Connect 5. Today, Sebastian speaks with the former Superior General of the Congregation of Holy Cross, Father Hugh Cleary, about family, prayer, and the rosary. Prayer is right at the center of uh, the ministry that you do. Uh, there's that famous saying, you know, a family that prays together stays together. And I'm wondering, is someone, an expert like you, do you find that that's true? Is that something that's uh, uh, essential? Yes, I think for one, it's essential in our own hearts to keep our own self integrated because we're pulled in so many different directions and there's so many different values and so many different aspects of life that are calling our attention. So somehow or other to be attentive to everything and yet to find an integrating point, for me that's where, where prayer is very helpful. And I would see that too in a family where a family today is going in a zillion directions and um, you hear even today that people find it difficult to sit down at the same time and uh, talk with one another. So if that's difficult to have a meal together, even then praying together is is challenging because there's so many demands. 
and I think the challenge then is to find prayer, family prayer, as an essential element to hold us together, to hold the family together. And I, I think that's uh, a real need and a real challenge. And from the families that I know that do pray together, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a healing for them all. And uh, it's a way that they really f find their family identity. A lot of people see prayer as it's like an enigma. You know, they don't really understand it or they don't know how to think about it or they don't even know how to start doing it if they think they might want to start doing it. You know, yes. it's, it's almost like a, a, a taboo, not in a bad way, but it's something that people don't know how to talk about. Yeah. Um, so what about the practicality of prayer? How do we articulate today what prayer is and what it can do for you and for your family? Well, for me, uh, in English, I kind of think of the prayer spelled P-R-A-Y-E-R and P-R-A-Y. Um, and the prayer, the pray, is when we go after things that we think we can accomplish on our own that we're going to get. But the P-R-A-Y, it's, uh, it's going to the realization that we can't get what we want and need. So we depend on someone else. You know, I pray you to please help me. And so love is who God is, and love is what we desire the most, and love is the most simple and most complicated reality of our existence. So I think prayer today is, is say, how do I embody love? How do I bring God's love into my life? So that all of the elements of love, whether it's a romantic love or whether it's a self-sacrificing love, uh, all of that comes together uh, through sitting with the Lord in prayer um, and finding the strength of love uh, in all of its many, many dimensions. So it's the focusing of love, I think. There's so many, you know, Christian and Catholic prayers. One of the most famous one, ones is uh, obviously prayer to Mary the Rosary. Yes. Uh, that's essential, essential component of your, of your ministry. Uh, why the Rosary? What is it about the Rosary? that uh, you know, makes it so essential to promote? Well, it's interesting that the rosary was established in the beginning as a way of helping illiterate people to pray because the, the monks and, and others who were literate could read the scriptures and uh, read the prayers. But uh, the, the poor people uh, who couldn't read wanted to join along in the prayer throughout the day. So to me, the, the rosary is, uh, is a long prayer, and it's a good, like, waiting prayer. It seems like a lot of time in a day-to-day life, even though there's so much to do, it's like hurry up and wait. And so the, the hurry up and waiting, I, I like to just kind of hold on to the rosary as something very tangible in my life. And um, I think the tangibility of it is something that brings me into the spiritual part of it. It's uniting the two worlds of kind of the sequential time and the timeless uh, that are all coming together right here and there. Father Hugh, thank you very much. Thank you, Sebastian. That was Sebastian Gomes speaking with Father Hugh Cleary of the Congregation of Holy Cross. You can watch this and more interviews at saltandlighttv.org slash connect5 and also on your Roku channel. Coming up in our second half hour, teaching kids about confession, and we meet singer-songwriter Val Lamar Jansen. So stay tuned.
Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Now, if you're a parent trying to teach your kids all the important things in life, chances are that teaching them about the faith is also right up there on your list. And it's not easy to teach our kids about things that we ourselves are trying to figure out. And so it's important to know that we are not alone. There are tons of resources out there to help you. And that's what motivated wife, mother, and children's author, Carissa Douglas, to begin writing. For one, to help her own kids, but also to help parents like you. Carissa has written three books, I Go to Jesus, which is about the Eucharist and Eucharistic Adoration, A Gift of Myself, which is a little bit of an introduction to theology of the body and marriage and, vo- and vocations, and her latest, All Things New, is about confession. And so I am happy to have Carissa Douglas back on our program. Carissa, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Hi, it's happy to be here. Okay, so just before we go, how many kids do we have yet? So we are expecting number 11 to God arrive in a couple you. months. So and you and Patrick uh, are having... You've had 10, and number 11 is on the way. We do, yep, and they're all 13 and under. That's and for the great. first time, we're, we're going to experience having five children, ages 3 and under, for a little while. That's right, because <laughs> the last two, number 9 and 10, are twins. Yeah, they were a two first, so <laughs> we kind of doubled up. That's, that's great. So um, I, I, I presume that, that your household is busy, um, lively, lots Very. going on. So why did you start writing? Um, as you said, I, I saw that there was a little bit of a void in terms of books for children that are very um, beautiful and Catholic and rich, but also really fun and silly. And, right. and these ones rhyme, and they're, they're kind yes. of like a VeggieTales style, but so embedded in the Catholic faith. And these are they're based on your, on your kids? Yes, that's right. Because I figured... Um, one of the greatest minorities in our day would be a large family with this many <laughs> yes. kids. So I thought, how wonderful to, to display how a large family functions and how they're able to live out their faith. Right. Can I ask you a little bit about that? I, I wasn't planning on, sure. but since, since I mean, it, I'm sure that there were a lot of listeners going like, 11 kids, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you ever get, I mean, I, I don't want, I mean, I, about negative comments, I'm sure you maybe maybe get, but or, you know, the comments, or Patrick mm-hmm. might get comments like, oh, my God, how can you have so many kids? Or we can't do. you, you know, figure out how to take the pill? Or, or, or you know, those <laughs> right, dumb right. things that people say. And for the most part, um, people are generally just, I think they're just too dumbstruck in, yeah. <laughs> in the moment. Yeah. Like, they, they're counting and trying to figure out things in their heads to make a comment. But yes. um, when they, in the few times, and they are very few times that we've actually received somewhat negative comments, we're, we're pretty... We're pretty good at addressing those. Um, one time we were <laughs> we were faced with a woman in a church because I had right. just attended Mass and we were doing a, a book signing. And so it was very unexpected, I think, in that context. And she just said, have you figured out what causes it? And yeah. I just kind of laughed and said, well, obvious. Obviously we're ex- experts at this. <laughs> you yes. know? And so she kind of laughed. And But most of the time I find that when people make those comments, it's because there's oftentimes a struggle within themselves. Yeah. And um, a lot of moms, like when they say, oh, you have your hands full, mm-hmm. I'll say yes, but it's, it's the best handful ever. There's such blessings. And yeah. sometimes it changes their tone, and they'll admit that really they would have liked to have had more themselves or yeah. their husbands didn't care about it or think about it or they were worried about finances. So it's, it's a good, actually, it's a good witness and a good conversation starter. Yeah, it is, it is. And, and I find that the, the funny thing is that the couples who are really faithful and committed and know about church teaching who decide to have large families are the ones who, in fact, 
could be planning better because they know about natural family planning. And so right. it, so clearly it's a choice that you're making and it's not, it's you know. And just, sometimes I, I'll bring that to their attention because sometimes I'm like, you know, none of our children were just kind of, oops, or, yeah, you know, they were all, and they were all celebrated. And, and in my case, actually, it's, it goes a little bit further because I, I have five little ones in heaven uh-huh. because, um, Without uh, special extra support or progesterone support, I lose my children. And so, right. I mean, it's not about it's not about trying to prevent little ones from coming. It's actually going the extra mile to ensure yeah. that they they arrive here safely. Yeah, it's true, and that I think is more often the case than the than the opposite. Um, why you've written three books, and I'm sure that there's tons more on the way. But why did you start with those three topics: Eucharistic adoration? Um, theology of the body, which is you know huge, and then now confession. Um, it's it's interesting because uh, a lot of times they're just they're themes that are laid on my heart uh-huh. in the moment, and they come up with our children. and And I I think with the first book I had found um, when I would walk into a church, there was a family who lived across the street, and their children would just sometimes just be there. Mm-hmm. And um, and I saw how beautiful that relationship was that they were able to form just from having this this encounter with Christ in a very real and natural way. And right. so I think at that point I, I felt really strongly that I wanted to share this this message with more people. And also it, it comes up when, when I'm faced sometimes with the way that our culture is going. If I see a specific, right. um, I guess, endangerment to our children in the schools or elsewhere, I, I think one of the best ways to respond is through this ministry. Because um, yeah. I figure it's our kids are facing a lot of things nowadays, and one of the best things you can do is, is help them establish their relationship with Christ at a young age so that no matter what they're being told or th- having thrown at them, they'll have their own anchor. Mm-hmm. That's true. Now, I, I guess confession is also very appropriate with the Year of Mercy, because the book true, is not just yes. about confession, but also about responding to God's mercy. That's right. And it's called, like, anytime I write a book, I realize that I'm not just writing to the children, but to the the parents who are going to have yeah. to read them over and over again yes. <laughs> to their children. And yes. unfortunately, a lot in my generation um, are Catholic more so by name yeah. and possibly a two Sunday a year type of Catholics. And so I realize this is a way to reach them as well. And so with this book in particular, the one on confession, I was actually thinking a lot about the parents and uh-huh. about um, how how they need to find their joy and, and revisit that sacrament mm-hmm. as well. So it's it's also to help even grandparents who are yeah. trying to get their children to go back to church or return to the faith. I figure we can't force them to listen to Scott Hahn or all these amazing theologians, right. but yeah. their kids are pretty good at convincing them yeah. to read something. And so I thought this is a beautiful way to plant seeds and to just help them you know, to see that they're never too far. And right. so even the end of the book is, is actually... More yes. than an open invitation to the older crew. It's true. It's the grandfather or the older man. That's um, right. That's very interesting that you that you say that because I find specifically with confession, adults, a lot of adults have issues and and, and difficulty, yeah. and and we don't get it. So so how what would you suggest for a parent that's even struggling him or herself with this how, to teach it to their kids? What's like the one or two things that you would say where you would start? Well, I'm just. Start with the understanding that that confession is a gift and not something to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, it's easy to say that, but and people might think, "Oh, I'm not really afraid." But I think deep in our hearts, oftentimes we are. Yeah. Even even people that faithfully yes, they are. Uh, uh, um, take part of that sacrament, mm-hmm. 
we we have a fear of it too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not easy, and so I think part of it is just really trusting in the abundance of God's mercy. Yes. Really believing that that it's something that is completely can strip away your sins and and make you new. Yeah, something good to keep in mind this year of mercy. Um, last I spoke to you, uh, you were just starting with the first book, and now you're, you've got a website and a blog, and you're speaking at conferences, and right, yeah. there's going to be bo- hard, co- you know, the 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 the, the books. Toddlers can chew on. Yes, uh, I, I love. On, yes. <laughs> I love that. So, so tell me about that. So, why? I mean, I understand why you want to do books for toddlers, and you just told me that you wanted to do that. You're also doing books for adolescents. Yes, yes. Um, I think I'm realizing um, as long as I'm kind of open to wherever the spirit's leading us, then it really he's taking us up on that. Right. <laughs> so, so we have a ministry. I mean, the blogging is really, I'm really too. Um, spread hope, I guess, and mm-hmm. and joy um, to other people that are parenting yeah. their children and trying to raise them in the faith and trying to figure out how how what that looks like and mm-hmm. how to do that. So um, the blog is really a ministry almost to other parents, just to say you're not alone and that right. you can find joy and sanctification in this this huge vocation <laughs> that you've been given. Yeah. And the others, um, as my kids are starting to get older. Yeah. Again, I'm I'm kind of looking for for good literature for them, and they loved Chronicles of Narnia. Yep. They loved Lord of the Rings and things like that, and and I love them too. I think those are wonderful yep. classics. Um, but I was also hoping, well, maybe we can we can also add to this <laughs> with some some literature that's very Catholic, and explicitly Catholic. You know, it speaks of the sacraments and just of this the Catholic culture. Um, but goes on incredible adventures as well that really get mm-hmm. kids excited. So our next step for the little Douglings is the older version, which uh-huh. would be, again, similar to that the market for um, the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. Um, but with the older little Douglings, um, going exploring and finding some interesting things. Fun. Yeah, lots of adventure. Good, come. I'm looking forward to that. So, um, lots to to keep our eyes open for. Um, people want to find out more, they can go to your website, littledouglings.com, and I'll, I'll remind people about that a little later. But thank you, Carissa, for sharing this. I'm glad that you you contacted me with the new book, and, and now I'm curious about all these preteen and teen books. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't forget to share them with us so we can let other people know as well. I will for sure. Thanks, Deacon Pedro. All right. Good to talk to you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Carissa Douglas is the wife of Patrick and the mother of 11 children. She's the author of the Little Douglings series for Catholic children. She's also the author of Catholic In and Out of Season, a blog for Catholic families. You can book her for your next conference or parish event and find out more at their website, as I said, littledouglings.com. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Valimar Jansen, with a song that we all know very well. The Cry of the Poor by John Foley. Yeah. 
Valdemar Jansen with The Cry of the Poor from her album, Spirit and Soul. Now, once you hear Valdemar Jansen's voice, it's not easy to forget. Valdemar Jansen is a singer, composer, and inspirational and catechetical speaker. Since 2003, she's released eight albums, and the latest one is Spirit and Soul, which we've been listening to. It's a collection of popular contemporary songs from fellow spirit and song composers, but sung with Valimar's signature style. And I am very happy to have Valimar on our program with us. Valimar, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much. It's good to be with you. So the question I, the first question I always ask people, the first time I'm on the, they're on the show is, what was it like growing up? Where did you grow up? What was growing, it like growing up? I grew up in Alexandria, Louisiana. Okay. So I'm a Southern girl. Yeah. Even though now I'm a Southern California girl. Oh, nice. <laughs> I have to it's say warmer that because there. I lived yeah. in California so long. Yeah. So, but I grew up in the South. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a uh, big family, Catholic family? Actually, I grew up in, in Alexandria, Louisiana. Yeah. There is a mixture of Baptists and yeah. Protestants and Catholics. As a matter of fact, some people refer to that mixture as Batholic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. <laughs> so I grew up on the in the Baptist side of okay. my family. Yeah. Always looking over the fence at what my cousins were doing and wanting to know more and more about what it meant to be Catholic. Okay. And and then when I was, but I, as a little girl in a Baptist family. Baptist side of the family, I was told, yeah. stop having dreams about Mary, you're Baptist. Oh <laughs> my gosh. I used to have um, just dreams and always being called to find out more about the Catholic Church. And then when I became old enough and moved out, you know, and was in graduate school, I could discover for myself, yeah. which I did. And 
And when I went to my first Mass, I knew I was home. Wow, that is so interesting because... Um, so some of your family... So your, your immediate family was Baptist, but you had cousins or other family members that were not Catholic... That, sorry, that were not Baptist, that were Catholic. Right. And there was no... So... What was your immediate family, your Baptist family, very faithful? You went to church every Sunday, that sort oh, of. Oh my goodness, yes? no, not just every Sunday. Oh yeah, there was at least two times a week. At really? Least. Yeah, we had to go every Wednesday night for, for Bible study. Meetings. Yeah, okay, prayer meetings. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then on Sundays we basically lived in church. Really? <laughs> Sunday belonged to the Lord, so we had um, Sunday school in the morning, and then worship service, a devotional service, uh-huh. then worship service. Then you would go home, and on one Sunday a month, you'd change your clothes and go back to church, and then you'd be assigned where to go to work. Really? So we went out to do the works nice. of, the, of what, what I now know are the corporal works of mercy. So we would go to retirement homes, and we'd wash clothes and clean up, and we would take care of the people. We would go to... Um, mental health institutions and we would take care of the people and cook and clean up and sing songs and so it i i grew up knowing that it's not just yeah having the word of god in your mouth but actually putting the word of god in your working hand what a what a great uh, example maybe all catholic churches should be doing that too um <laughs> was it was your family was your household a musical household as well very much so. Yeah. Um, my mother was the, the daughter of a Baptist pastor. Yeah. So she was. I was the daughter of the daughter of a Baptist pastor. Yeah. So yeah. It was. It, we couldn't even eat dinner until we went around the table and we each had to say what our scripture was for oh the day. Oh my gosh! Really. And then during dinner we would. Then my mother would say grace. Then during dinner we would discuss how we used that scripture during the day. And then after dinner when it was time to pick up the dishes to go and wash, it, there was always a song, Well, I've been so busy working right. for my Jesus. And we'd get up, and you know, and it was in four parts. So every night after the meal, there was a song that later led us from the table to the kitchen. So singing was something that happened in my home spontaneously. Wow. My mother had, was in the choir. She was... Um, had a Kalalatura soprano voice, yeah, and so she was a soloist, and and so I grew up kind of admiring my mother and as a storyteller because she was the storyteller of the family, uh-huh. and she was a singer. Nice. So there was a lot of music in our house. Yeah. Now, did you have any formal training in music? I did. I did my undergraduate work. Uh, I started off at Howard University uh-huh. in Washington D.C., and then I got caught up in a. a producer from Switzerland came to Howard University to cast the first, uh, the European premiere of the musical Raisin. Okay. And so I went to Europe as a student and did my work at Howard University as a student. But then I stayed in Europe and worked doing American musicals for a couple of years. Okay. Moved back to the U.S. and finished my degree in theater and musical theater in Southern California. Okay, I was going to ask you about being a musical theater performer as well, but I'm interested in what was happening in your faith life, because at the same time, were you exploring entering the Catholic Church? I didn't explore entering to the Catholic Church until I was in graduate school. Okay. Yeah, and I was sitting on campus reading, because I like to sit outside. You know, when you're in a master's, Ph.D. program, it's like, oh, 3,000 pages a semester, and I was reading, and I saw a priest 
going across campus, and he had on like this burlap and fur, and so I followed. I packed up my books, followed, and then he went down to the lagoon and did the reenactment of John the Baptist baptizing Jesus. And then invited us all to come to the Catholic Mass. He said, you don't have to be Catholic. You're invited to come and explore what we are doing as a Catholic Church. So I went, and that was my first Mass. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was he. It was kind of explaining the Mass as he went through it. And when we got to the Eucharist, I knew I was home. When I understood for the yeah. first time what it meant, the difference between the Holy Eucharist and taking communion the way yeah. that I did as a Baptist. Amazing. And I knew that I was home. And from th- from there, the next Monday morning, I went that very next morning, signed up for RCIA. Wow. That's what how a, I came to the Catholic Church. Yeah, what a gift, to uh, that it was a gift that you would understand it. I mean, that's not uh, for everyone. It is a gift. Um, did you, uh, you were studying musical theater. Did you ever think that you would be doing religious music as a professional as well? Or I is that did some, not. No? I did not. I was... Uh, planning to do professional <laughs> secular theater. Yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> that was that was going to be my career to teach it, to do it, uh, to perform in it. And instead, I have discovered, as many of us do, that God's perfect plan for our <laughs> life is to allow all of those things we are passionate about yeah. to find a kind of intersection or yes. vortex yes. to be able to, to live out of that passion doing all of the things that I enjoy so much. Uh, I love the Word of God. I have since I was a little four-and-a-half-year-old Baptist girl. I've fallen in love with the Word of God and with music. So to be able to combine music, the Word of God, my faith, and drama to do what I do is, is just an amazing blessing that God has given to me. Amen. And do you, were you composing? I guess you were composing as part of your studies, but when did you start writing what you would call sacred or religious music? I started writing sacred music in about 1994. Uh huh. And I, um, that's when I married a wonderful cradle Catholic man. Right. awesome man. Yeah. And we compose our uh, music together. Uh-huh. He was a music major I see. at the undergraduate school that we both we both graduated from the same school. Okay, um, I see. So and, you, uh, yeah. He he and I composed music together. So we started in 1994. Right. Amazing. And I guess do you still because um, I'm, the, I, I found it interesting that this latest album with Spirit and Song, Spirit and Soul, which is a collection. These are not your songs. That you've chosen songs by other other composers that you know we all know some songs that we all know very well. Um, why did you choose to to do an album of other people's songs? Well, Oregon Catholic Press OCP approached me and said that there were a number of songs that they would like articulated in a different way. Okay. So that these songs that were, they were getting traction, they uh-huh. people know them, and. I actually use some of them uh-huh. on the road. I do between 65 and 90 events a year. Yeah. Um, and so I use a lot of these songs on the road because they're familiar with people. Mm-hmm. And I'm a storyteller. I bring scripture to life. Mm-hmm. And I use the songs to either foreground the story or to reflect the scripture story. Right. And um, I like singing songs that people are familiar with. Right. Only they wanted me to bring the songs to life 
in in my own special way. Right. <laughs> you know, something that's that, that's unique to me and what and how yeah. I do. So I would take a song like um, "Alleluia, Love Is Alive." Yeah, by Steve Angrisano. Yeah. And so, instead of putting it in three, it's a waltz. Da, yeah. Da, 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 right. Da. Yes. Instead, I got African drummers, and I put it in four. Uh huh. And it gives it a different rhythm, and you hear those African drums. Right. And so it just it it allows me to put my personality, my arrangement on the music in a way that I use it for the ministry that God has entrusted to me. Right. Yeah. No. And it's good for people to hear songs that they that they maybe have heard before or that they know from mass, but to hear them in a new way gives them new life. Um, I think it's a great album. People can have it in my car and listening yeah. to it. Um, and, and it's fun to sing along. Valimar, thank you for spending a little time with us this morning and sharing a little bit about what you do. And thank you for this music. And I'm hoping that there's more music to come and that we can have you back on the program sometime soon. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been such a joy and a blessing. You're very welcome. Valdemar Jansen's new album, Spirit and Soul, is published by spiritandsong.com. You can find out more about Valdemar at her website, valdemar.com. And that's V-A-L-L-I-M-A-R. But I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. Here now is Valdemar Jansen with Christ in Me Arise from her new album, Spirit and Soul. Christ in me arise And dispel all the darkness Christ in me arise With your power and your strength Christ in me pour out Your blessing and healing Arise in me and I shall with you Christ in me arise. We're listening to Valdemar Jansen with Christ in Me Arise, written by Trevor Thompson, from her album Spirit and Soul, published by Spirit and Song. And that will bring us to the end of our program this week. Remember that you, if you missed part of this program, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where we post all the links to our artists and guests. Remember to send us comments on what you heard on this program and remember to send us your haiku prayers. I'm looking forward to receiving many so that we can share them on the air. The best way to do it is through Facebook, Deacon Pedro, or on Twitter, at Deacon Pedro GM. Thank you for listening. May you have a holy, holy week. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. Arise in me and I shall rise with you
sind 